Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonc podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast, you will hear from experts who discuss the importance of addressing and understanding quality of life in patients with myeloproliferative neoplasms. First, Ruben Mesa discusses the impact and relationship between symptoms and quality of life in patients with MPNs. But patients with MPNs, they really have very significant impact from their disease, both in symptoms and quality of life. Now these things are complementary, but they're not exactly the same. So when we measure individual symptoms, it's a you know, subjective feeling of whether it's itching, whether it's fatigue, whether it's night sweats, that one can try to quantify. And indeed, we've done a variety of validation work to show indeed that you can both quantify it, it's reproducible, you can see improvement with therapy. Second, there's really health-related quality of life. So first, quality of life is a broad concept. You know, you could be stressed about the economic situation in the world, you know, and that impacts your quality of life. Health-related quality of life is really your quality of life based on where you think you should be as it relates to your health. And that can have implications from financial toxicity to symptoms to, to impact to pain to hassle uh, of medical care. Uh, but symptoms clearly are a very important driver of health-related quality of life. Let's say an individual has really uncontrolled itching or pruritus, that can be uh, very disruptive. It can interfere with sleep. You can hardly do any or enjoy any activity if you have overwhelming itching, pain, night sweats, or other difficulties. So they clearly have a very strong uh, correlation. What we have noticed is that patients with JAK inhibitors really do improve both a quality of life and of course with that with their symptoms. Now one of the analysis we had done at ASCO had also showed that with the improvement in uh, anemia and transfusions, there was also an improvement using other patient-reported outcome forms in terms of role functioning and physical functioning. These are questions that basically get at, is it easier to live my normal daily life, to go to the grocery store, uh, to, to uh, attend a, a graduation, or to, uh, to go to church if I would so like to do so. So we think a very important type correlation Fortunately, our medicines do seem like they're making an impact. Next, you'll hear from Lucia Masarova, who discusses the importance of improving strategies used to measure and treat the symptoms of patients with MPNs, and Jayanne Palmer, who highlights the methods being explored to improve quality of life in these patients. That's a very important topic. That's something I consider definitely one of the most unmet need that exists for all MPM patients, not only myelofibrosis patients, but also patients with ETMPV, where there is a numerous studies over the years, mostly credited to Rubens Massa group, that took first benchmark study with the international survey and then the landmark MPM quality of life. That actually showed us how bad we were in assessing the symptoms how bad the, the currently um, basically established scores with the cancer societies were for MPN patients and then developed the new tools such as the current MPN10 or MPN TSS that's used broadly in all MPN patients, nicely validated, put in over 30 languages and should be used around the clock every three to six months. That's at least recommended in current guidelines and also a good clinical practice, which could indicate the disease progression. And then I think the biggest move there and I might need would be patients, they are on the standard of care therapies and are heavily symptomatic. 
we know that the symptoms are not proportionally evolving over the patient's disease course. Some improve, some worsen. For example, fatigue is a very significant symptoms, which we, we don't even know the attribution to. Could be disease, could be drugs, could be just daily life. But certainly we have a lot of work to do. And then we have some drugs that improve the symptoms and we have drugs that are great for, a for spleen, for disease modification, as we call, but they lack behind the symptoms. For example, which we like to use interferons for patients with ATs and PEVs, but they, they're not the best drugs for symptomatic patients. Indeed, there has been, uh, for example, post hoc analysis of the MPNRC studies in patients with ATPV showed that actually patients with lower burden had maybe worsened symptoms at the beginning. So that is something to really consider. So we know patients with MPN have impaired quality of life. This has been demonstrated in multiple studies um, over a long period of time. We have many ways of trying to address this quality of life. One way is the use of JAK inhibitors. We know JAK inhibitors will help reduce some of the constitutional symptoms such as fevers and night sweats as well as spleen enlargement and pain. Um, we also know that controlling, sometimes just by controlling the blood counts, we can actually have improvement in some of these quality of life symptoms. I think the thing that's more difficult with this is that often these symptoms are probably a combination of both the biologic aspect of the disease as well as the, the psychological aspect of having a chronic illness. And I think that there's a movement towards trying to understand some alternative treatment options that may be helpful for patients who have myeloproliferative neoplasms. These things include such things as uh, meditation, using uh, phone apps, um, yoga, uh, changes in diet. All of these are currently being studied as a way of trying to help improve quality of life for patients with myelofibrosis. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.